You made me stronger because I had to be. You are not my father anymore. You are not a part of this family. All right, I deserve that. And I will go away if you want me to. And I'll never come back. It's too late for that. You have failed. You have failed. April, what the hell is going on? The science has failed. You have made things worse. Your Majesty, I have not yet finished. Yes, you have. Our heart is strong. My heart is strong. It fights back like mine used to. It fights back. It always has. April, don't! Why not? He tried to take his life and ours with it. Why shouldn't I finish the job? Because that's not what April would do. Majesty, please. no idea what I would do. You have no idea what I'm capable of! I know exactly what you're capable of. But you are April because you choose not to do it. You told me you wouldn't let him break you. And I won't. I'll break him instead. April! April, no, please! Don't do this. Welcome back to Who and Company. I'm Brent. And I'm Drew. We are thrilled to have one of Coal Hill School's own. She and her friends have saved the Earth from the likes of the Langkin, Psychic Dragons, and the Shadowkin. Actress Sophie Hopkins joins the company for episode 41. Sophie talked with us about her career, what she's watching during her extra time at home, and even a spot of baking. So, join us as we discuss class, the horror film Brackenmore, and everything we've been watching lately to keep our minds off the pandemic. Before we get started, Who and Company can now be found on Anchor.fm. And if you have a few seconds, maybe you could stop by iTunes and give us a review if you'd be so kind. Especially if you like this episode. It's a really good one, folks, and it's coming up right after this. You know the feeling of dread. Just beyond what you see. Just beyond what you know. There's something out there waiting for you. What have you seen? Was it a shadow? What do you know about shadows? We're in terrible danger. The opening! What is going on in here? You're talking to a boy. And it's time to do something. What are we supposed to do about it? I'm not made of glass. Tougher than they think. 
Would you believe me if I said I was from another planet? God, yeah. Right. I used to be the caretaker here. You've heard of me, haven't you? She's worked on many projects, but listeners to the show will know her best as April McLean, Cole Hill School's kind warrior from class. Sophie Hopkins, welcome to Who and Company. Thank you very much for having me. Here we are, boys. Yes, here we are. Here we are, <laughs> most likely at home. Um, I mean, this is the third episode that we've done since the lockdown, and uh, I think we've, we've started the other ones this way, and I, I, I want to continue this by just checking in to see how everybody's doing because clearly as we record this this is uh yeah this is this is start the beginning of the third month of the quarantine for for everybody Sophie how are you doing how are you and and yours holding up um I'm 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 you know I'm I'm in there (laughs) I'm at home uh I'm I'm fine you know like everyone else I'm I actually haven't made a shed load of banana bread, but I, <laughs> I'm now a professional baker. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm I'm finding lots of uh, new ways to fill my time, seeing as I'm spending so much more time at home. Um, my house looks fantastic as a result of it. <laughs> it's never been so tidy. Um, yeah, I'm well, and I'm very thankful that um, all my loved ones have been well and safe during this time. So I'm lucky. What is the your favorite thing that you have learned to bake since the lockdown? Cardamom buns, without mm-hmm. a doubt. I live with uh, I live with a Swedish girl, uh, so she taught me how to make proper cardamom buns um, because I was um, I was craving them from my favorite bakery, which is called Fabrique. Shout out Fabrique. Um, I hope they're doing okay right now. Um, but yeah, uh, and obviously I can't go there, so I decided to make my own. And I don't know if I'm ever going to go back. I think <laughs> I might just make them. So, yeah. Were you, were you a baker before the lockdown? Absolutely not. Okay. No, I ha- I have baked in my life, mostly supervised by my mum <laughs> when I was younger. Um, yeah, all all my um. All my uh, attempts seem to be like flat or way too melted or yeah. Anyway, but uh, I am I, happy to say that has improved somewhat because I've got a lot of time. <laughs> Brent, how are you holding up? Uh, things are going pretty well here. I I didn't realize uh, baking banana bread was a was a thing. And um, apparently it is because my wife has made more banana bread these past couple of weeks than I've ever seen, I think. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, But yeah, things are going pretty well here. Uh, we've been keeping busy remodeling the house and, and now our uh, screened-in porch in the back. My wife has been decorating her face off uh, while she's been home and and we've been watching more and more TV and movies and that sort of thing, so... How about you, Drew? Uh, yeah, doing a lot of home projects. I work in a library, and the library is still, while it's not open to the public, we're still providing uh, online story times for children who are stuck at home. So that's taking up a bunch of our time. But at home, uh, this week we have a three-day weekend, and we have worked on the garden already, and I've painted a bedroom, and I will probably be putting 
uh, curtains and curtain rods and furnishings and stuff on. So, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go out and do things, but I'm not going to because uh, I am <laughs> responsible and I love my fellow people, <laughs> regardless of the idiocy that is that is present online and in the public. So, alrighty. Uh, well, good. I'm glad everybody is is doing well. That's that's super important. Um, I have watched a lot of Sophie the last week, uh, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I so I want to start off by asking how you got started along your path to acting. Well, um, first of all, thanks so much for <laughs> for bearing with my face for the last week. <laughs> you have Should a fantastic face. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> you have you have a nuanced face in the best possible way. I I really and I'll talk about this more as we talk about individual uh, bits. But I love watching your face. Like I I find your reactions to everybody else's actions are <laughs> so good uh, and so I don't want to say entertaining because I don't want to say it like it distracts from everyone else's performances but you have a magnificent face for reactions <laughs> um, thank you I'm fully aware that my face has the elastic ability of Jim Carrey um, <laughs> and uh, I try and tone it down for the camera but like in my day-to-day -day life and, and people will see if they ever meet me at a, a convention or something uh, which is actually how we met um, but yeah I, uh, I, I have uncontrollable eyebrows <laughs> 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 Sorry, you asked how I got into acting. Um, I uh, I had a very supportive teacher in uh, high school, um, and she basically took me under her wing. I was um, I was quite bookish as a kid, and um, I I wanted to be an archaeologist. Um, and yeah, so I like had never really thought about performing, although I had always written kind of short stories and I guess did little performances for my family but really it started when this teacher encouraged me to join school productions and things like that and I think I don't know how informed teachers are of what's going on at home but I was having quite a hard time um, at home post my parents breakup and um, I think that she just honed in on that and and she was like you're really good at this and um got me involved in amateur dramatics in the um in for the the group for the town that we were in and it kind of just started from there I, but I don't know if I saw it as a career um but I I, I realized it was something that I loved and um I guess as stuff kind of got more difficult at home um it was just this world that I could disappear into and I think there's something really fascinating about stepping into someone else's shoes for a while um which is an absolute gift of, of what you get to do when you're acting that you, you it's kind of voyeuristic in a way you just get to to create these people or you know if you're doing a biopic you get to learn all about these people and and kind of step into their shoes so yeah <laughs> well, you've uh, you've gotten a chance to work with some really talented folks. Is there an actor you'd really like to work alongside, or a director? Um, there is. I, I don't know if you guys have heard. Of, um, 
Have you heard of the actor Mark Rylance? He's he's a British treasure. Um, and I'm trying to see what... Oh, he was the voice of the BFG um, in the, oh, yeah. the oh, most right. recent animated film. But um, Wasn't he, he in a film with uh, Tom Hanks? Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, so he's getting more... Um, I mean, he's done British film here for a while, but kind of, um, you know, like more, he's done a lot more US film lately, but primarily he's a theatre actor and um, was at the RSC, the Royal Shakespeare Company in London um, for a very long time. Um, yeah, I would love to work with him. He also seems like the nicest man and I would just give him a hug because <laughs> he looks so lovely. Um, and a director, I really love um, Noah Bambach, um, oh, yeah. who's done like The Squid and the Whale and most recently um, The Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. which I actually haven't seen. So that is going on my quarantine list. Um, but I, I love his writing. It's it's very honest, sometimes awkwardly so, because, you know, the, the, they're, they're, real, they're real family stories that he's telling. And, and a lot of them are about quite um, unbalanced people <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and problems kind of going on at home. Uh, I guess it started off from um, he did uh, a film. It was Squid and the Whale. It was about his parents' breakup mm-hmm. and things like that. A lot of it, of um, uh, yeah, just super simple stories. They're they're not they're not really fabricated. You could just imagine stepping into that life. Like it's um, yeah, I think he's wonderful. I I don't I haven't watched either the the Marriage Story just because I that sort of. <laughs> emotional intensity i think mm-hmm. is a little more than i want to deal with uh during this current situation i, I definitely okay. find myself going for the more hyperbolic escapism mm-hmm. um you know like reality and sad stuff is is definitely not on on the top of my list but is are those is that kind of that personal drama is that the kind of projects that you're drawn to i think for for any actor things like that are a true gift you can really get sink your teeth into it um but no not necessarily like i um i i think it would be an amazing project to work on um but i also love i i love escapism and things like that too and i love um very uh like gothic horror drama-esque uh, movies like um, Guillermo del Toro and uh, Tim Burton, things like that. I, l- I love the um, kind of that hyper reality, um, super dressed up and everyone in their fannery. I do like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't really put myself in a box. I've got to remember those Jim Carrey eyebrows and be like, mm, maybe I was built for comedy. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of horror films, we watched mm. Brackenmore uh, this week and um, really enjoyed it. Do you like horror films? Or do you watch them on your own? Or I used to watch a lot more horror um, than now. Like, and when I mean when I say horror, you know, I'm talking about like like a slasher movie or something like that. Like, I don't I don't enjoy that anymore. Um, but I, I mean, my first education in film was watching Hammer Horror. 
Mm. Um, and there is oh the scare well it's probably not scary now but to an eight-year-old when i first watched it there's this uh British film, which is super rare and difficult to get hold of. I got a DVD of it now. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, it's called A Warning to the Curious. And um, yeah, so I like my, my first education in film was ironically horror and then MGM musicals. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, now I, I, I enjoy like a psychological thriller, things like that. But slasher is not my style. I kind of, I got, I got bored of seeing blood and gore. <laughs> I don't mind blood and gore, but I don't like slashers because I, I, mm-hmm. I generally don't like human beings torturing or hurting other people. Um, not excessively, not in, in the same way that like, a, you know, someone stalking a, a group of sorority girls in, with an mm. axe doesn't doesn't interest me. I like monsters. Uh, I like kind of supernatural stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of, of folk horror, uh, similar mm. to what Brackenmore is. Um, I just watched Midsummer. Actually, I, I watched have that. Not watched that one yet. And I'm really excited That's about good. it. <laughs> I, I was. Uh, it was definitely. I in reading reviews um, for Brackenmore, I saw a lot of folks um, comparing that. Um, to Midsummer and and um, the Wicker Man and and so mm. on and so forth. In fact, I read one review that I I, I wanted to just quote from because Connor uh, Warnier of the Cryptic Rock wrote, and I love this. Hopkins has immense potential to be one of the great scream queens of Irish horror cinema, which has been on a very steep uptick since the mid two thousands. So, Irish horror cinema, bit of a niche uh, market funny. there, but <laughs> but. Given given your potential, uh, is that a role you'd be interested in stepping into, like a scream queen, or is that <laughs> too too niche? It's it, I mean that's very niche, particularly if you just corner it into oh yeah I've uh, the the Irish horror market. Um, I think um, I I mean I I would do a horror film again. Um, I've been sent a lot of scripts for horror movies. Funnily enough, a lot of them have been g- quite similar to Brackenmore. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of um, like pagan rituals and things like that. And it's something that I would think twice about doing again unless it was a really, really good script. I think horror is a fantastic genre if you get the script right. Unfortunately, there's there's just, I don't know, there's, there's too many bad horror films being made mm. that have tarnished that genre um, for me. So yeah, it has to be like a great story or a great piece of writing. Um, and that goes for most projects that, that I, I want to do now. Um, you know, it has to be has to be on a, a Patrick Ness uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> scale, who is who is a great writer to work with. Um, but yeah, I would I would never say no to being a screen queen again. Um, but it, I wouldn't want to just just be that. I have never experienced this before, but uh, watching a movie with someone I have fit, met um, is really interesting because I both find myself more concerned for your safety in those <laughs> scenes but i'm also taken out from those scenes because of like having met you in real life so i mean it was it was really interesting to see you in a, in a real dire circumstance and just go oh no oh, that's sophie <laughs> no. 
but you you did such a good job, I mean, like, and that's where I think the nuance is. I find a, a lot of folks where just simply screaming isn't enough. You portrayed the actual horror and dread of that situation very well, and considering the script for it, I, th- it, I mean, think that really is necessary for something which is as kind of vague as mm-hmm. uh, Brackenmore. It was super vague. I mean, to be honest, the um, like the the film didn't initially have a monster, um, and which ended up being completely cut out of the film. So, I mean, there was there was the director for the film, and then they ended up having a post production director. So, the film that I saw um, at the screening was totally different from the one we were filming. Um, I don't know. I kind of don't really know what happens along the lines, um, but I think that's why there seems to be a lot of uh, a lot missing. Um, like, mm. yeah, like you said, this the script is quite vague. <laughs> yeah, um, there's parts of that that just make you come up with your own answers. But I, I have to ask you this because I, I it stayed with me the whole film, and it was never explained. So I have to ask you, what do you think was in that stew? oh gosh um uh, probably my uncle (laughs) to be honest (laughs) that's what i thought yeah yeah um but yeah that or some mangy rabbits (laughs) 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 but that was such that was the i i don't know you will always notice in uh dinner scenes uh, and this has become a running joke that actors tend not to eat they'll do everything they can to like pick the food around on their plate or they'll go to take a mouthful and then and then speak so they never actually never see them eating (laughs) so I wanted to be the anti that and I stuffed so much potatoes and stew in my gob over that meal I have not been able to eat a stew since (laughs) and and that was like five five years ago six years ago yeah that's impressive, and and I and I definitely I hear that from a lot of actors when they talk about dinner scenes where you you were very conscious of the fact that no one actually ever puts food in their mouth, and as soon as you did, I was like, well, that's that's different. I this is this the the film really. I mean, it there's a lot of expectations going into a film like this uh, that that were very pleasantly. Uh, didn't pan out in the same way that I was expecting, and I and I really like that. Like if 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 you want to bore me, show me something that I'm I'm expecting every single time. If you want to engage me, do something I'm not expecting. And um, I really I think appreciated more than anything else the fact that it was a a, a fairly vague script in that I wasn't sure what was going to happen next, yeah. and uh, I got to fill in my own. And it was one of those things where I kind of wish. Uh, and I don't want to spoil any aspect of the the film for other people. I definitely recommend people see it. But I I came off of watching that film and wanted to go. I really wish I watched this with somebody else. I want to I want to talk about this. And so and nice. I think Let's that's talk what about it now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I think that's what a, a real good horror film will do is it make you ask questions. You know, like. I think possibly my favorite movie of all time is John Carpenter's The Thing. It's an excellent horror film, but there's some aspects of it that they don't specifically answer, and those are the best parts because you can bring something to the table. And any good set, any genre can can do that. You don't have to explain everything, but when you're dealing with the supernatural or a thriller or a you know giant shape shifting 
carnivorous alien kind of a thing you know <laughs> not necessarily knowing where it comes from or what it's why it's doing what it's doing uh, can can benefit you know as long as it doesn't ignore those questions and answers in a lazy fashion which i, I think mm. we didn't we didn't have here which is good thank you that's such that's such lovely words i mean that project was really my it was it was the first time i'd branched away from doing kind of short films where i'd barely spoken um so it's my it's my first real speaking part um and uh i learned a lot about uh myself in that um in that production and uh the director chris was wonderful and he just trusted me completely um the end scene um like you, you say about kind of having lots of unanswered questions i, I wish it hadn't i'm not going to spoil it um but I, I, I feel as though because so much was cut out, it very much seems like it just bam, like comes out of nowhere. Um, so I would, I would have like a, a like a bigger build to that, or a, th there was more that we filmed to do with the uh, the resolution at the end, but it, it didn't make it to the cut. So um, yeah, I, I wish there were a few less unanswered questions. Um, <laughs> but what you said was lovely. <laughs> Yeah, I did watch this with my wife, and um, I told her we were going to interview you, and she says, there's one question you have to ask her. Just how cold <laughs> was that water at the end? Oh, mate. So they, it was so cold that they were supposed to get me a wetsuit for under the dress. Mm -hmm. But turns out in um, in rural Ireland – very difficult to get your hands on like a skin colored wetsuit <laughs> um and, and and you know i mean this is i mean they were just they were trying to attain it just till the last minute and i just said listen it's fine like it has to, it's gonna look cin cinematically it's gonna be really horrible to watch put it in the film um and i just got in and uh oh yeah that, I, I was reminded i was alive all right it was <laughs> I mean, it was August when we were filming. However, it's also Ireland, and uh, summer didn't really exist that summer. Um, it was <laughs> like it was chucking it down with rain, and there was like gale force winds throughout half for that majority of filming. There were we were there a month, so yeah, that lake was icy cold, <laughs> and um, I have a terrible circulation. So I'm I'm glad I was wearing a long dress because my skin was just like purple. <laughs> Where in Ireland did you film? We were in Kerry. Okay. Um, so uh, quite nearby is where, um, oh my gosh. Oh, Michael Fassbender. I can't mm -hmm. believe I forgot his name. That's where he's from. Um, a very, very uh, cute little fishing town nearby where we were filming. It was beautiful. I saw some of the most gorgeous landscape I've seen in my life there. Um yeah, it was um, it was an experience. I loved being in Ireland more than I enjoyed filming in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been once, and I've only been for about ten days. But uh, there's so much to see in Ireland. It's uh, mm. I, and in the area you're in, I was like looking for familiar landscapes, and it's like I just I don't think I was in in that area. So, mm. uh, but uh, I'll make a I'll make a point of it. Uh, you know, next time I'm. I'm traveling along a road and I see a sign for an inn and I just decide I want to turn <laughs> off randomly. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome being there. It was my first time. I'm, I'm 
uh, I'm like half Irish, so so it was uh, it was amazing to actually to go there. Unfortunately, I was too far away from where any of my family live, but um, it was nice. I felt like uh, it was a piece of the jigsaw that I got to finally put back in, which was nice. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, there's your your history. You bring so much to your own parts, your experience. You know, that's what you're supposed to do as an actor. And to find a piece that helps uh, fit that puzzle is excellent. Another piece of the puzzle that is you, of mm-hmm. course, is uh, class, which is you know how we we know you through this. Uh, and so I, we want to talk a little bit of more about class. Um, what was the audition like for this project? Because and I haven't done as much research, but I, I have talked with a lot of actors, many of whom are like. I go to an audition and they don't really tell me exactly what it's for. You're given a, uh, something that isn't necessarily the script for the actual episode. It's something similar just so they can check out your range. So what was the auditioning for, for Classlight and did you know what the project was at the time? There is so much uh, secrecy over any Doctor Who project or Doctor Who spinoff. So no, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was at all. Um, they just told me there was going to be uh, like a British um, teen drama and they mentioned Buffy uh, the Vampire Slayer as a reference and I used to love the show when I was a kid so I was like Buffy I'm in um, <laughs> and uh, yeah it was it was at Andy Pryor casting who were an, a lovely bunch of people so um, for someone who gets very nervous in auditions like I do um they made me feel super comfortable, and uh, so so that was a huge help. But um, there was like five rounds of auditions for for that part. Um, yeah, I think I I think I had it easy. Um, I know that Faddy, who plays Ram, had been sent one of the wrong scenes by his agent for uh, a recall. So it, it, he had a prom scene. Um, that he was given by his agent so turned up in a tux to the audition and they were like um they were like dude what, I have to ask what's with the tux and he was like oh you know I just dressed appropriately for the for the scene and they were like nope we're not doing that scene <laughs> so, um, and then Greg uh, by the time it came to the recall it had been so, so it was so long between hearing that we got through to each stage. Honestly, every time I was like, oh, it's been too long now. Like, I'm not going to get, I haven't got it. I just have to let it go now, which is something that's, it's quite difficult to do, but you know, it just comes hand in hand with the job. Um, and uh, so Greg had gone to LA for, I think for a screen test for something else. And then heard from his agent, you have a recall for this show called class it's in two days so he had to fly back from LA (laughs) you've all got an hour's attention and I've got things to do what was that? it's an asteroid of truth I love you more than you love me you guys aren't really my friends I'm afraid of you sometimes I hate you why are you being such a I really don't know it makes you angry there's something in here with us so, uh, do you have a favorite episode from the series um, in either uh, your participation in the episode or one that you enjoyed watching or something because of something one of the other actors did? 
I think it's it's funny. Unanimously, every single member of the cast uh, will say that episode six, Detained, is our favourite. Um, it was it was the first time that, other than the prom scenes. Um, sorry, I'm so out of breath. I've just walked up two flights of stairs. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that shows a lot. I need to get back to the gym. <laughs> um, obviously, I can't. Thank you, Corona. Um, we well, have the stairs, though. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think episode six because we um, we were all in the same room and we're we're such a tight knit gang. Um, you know, we we've all become dear dear friends and. Uh, we actually got to work together because uh, each episode um there's several different storylines so everyone's separate all the time um so it was that it was being able to spend time with the guys also wayne yip the director mm-hmm. um was fantastic and we hadn't we just hadn't worked with anyone on the show that had his like he has such style and flair and you know he really he'll he'll um He's very technical and will uh, do kind of all these cool, um, like cool angles, and has all these amazing stylized ideas that we just kind of hadn't had before on the show. Um, and that is, yeah. So his two episodes, which is detained, and then uh, the metaphysical engine, or what Quill did, which is episode seven, um, is uh, yeah. They're, they're just fantastic he's so creative and and i think they're a real they're an enjoyment to watch as well yeah. um detained yeah. was my favorite also yeah was it yeah i think it's funny those like in the bottle episodes can either go one way or the other um and obviously i think before having uh i mean they they created so many different worlds and i think episode seven was quite an expensive episode so they really had to hone in and <laughs> and, uh, and keep their their uh, their wallets closed for <laughs> episode six but do you know what? it works like it doesn't matter how much you spend on an episode i, I really think that it it, it it worked it was my favorite and um i think it's the first time that the group by that point we're um we're like our dynamic has fully evolved and um uh our characters as well so i think that's another reason why i love it so much yeah almost every series has that one episode like a bottle episode where the cast are trapped Mm. together or forced to reveal themselves to each other or like an example would be like two people that hate each other are trapped in an elevator for the whole episode or something like that. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but I like those because they always end up being really good character pieces. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and just from Wayne's – and I, I'm not familiar with Wayne Yip's wor- other work outside of Class and Doctor Who, um, but he really is an excellent director just from the, the instances I've seen. It's great that they brought him up back for – the kind of the modern series and and he gives great interviews so you know we'll have to we should get him on the show too he's a lot of fun um yeah i think you guys would like him he's uh in fact he just directed i know he did one i don't know if he did a couple episodes but he also directed hunters uh the amazon series that greg is also in with al pacino um yeah so that was i know that greg got to work with him again which is great um but yeah i'm a big fan of his work 
Yeah, uh, and Hunters is one that um, there's so much television. And we'll, we'll get to <laughs> what we're watching in just a moment. But there's so much television on right now that's like I have a list, this backlog of like, have to have to play catch up. Um, I'm exactly the same with the um, the backlog of of television and movies. My my watch list has never been so extensive. It's <laughs> it's enormous, and I will never get through all of it. Um, I uh, I recently. Sub, uh, subscribed to Mubi as well so I've got as well as Netflix and Amazon I've got um, all of these it's like classic and independent and art, art house movies so there's a, <laughs> there's a lot that I need to get through um, yeah I've got all of that wealth of uh, <laughs> I've got that incredible wealth of uh, of movies to watch and I'm sat here at home re-watching the OC What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, that's that's the thing. And you know, let's go ahead and start talking. Normally, when we bring a guest on, we 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 have them choose a specific show to to kind of talk about, and that's our second second half of the programming. But mm. with everything that's going on, uh, I I get the the need to go and revisit something that is comfortable to you. And mm-hmm. I I came across this watching Brackenmore. When I realized that that was the first horror movie I've watched, this is a, a genre I love. It's the first horror movie I've watched in three months. Normally, I'm watching uh, one at least every other week or so. Hmm. And I realized why that was. It's that horror films are about the helplessness you feel in a in a situation that's bigger than yourself. And sometimes, I mean, that's what builds the horror, right? That's what builds the tension. And sometimes the the hero or heroine or victim succeeds and sometimes they fail and and with everything going on i didn't want to experience that no i what, don't doubt it yeah and so what we've been watching are mysteries and i was like why is it that i'm watching mysteries above everything else other than it's a genre that i love but it's it's about there's a problem and you solve mm-hmm. it and that's and what then i they need get solved. yeah it's a that's need so interesting that's to me a comfort um and i guess let's let's kind of jump into you're watching the oc uh, is that a show that you is are you watching the oc for the first time or are you uh re-watching it i'm re-watching it um i i think when did it come out 2000 and 2003 so i was like 12 13 when it came out Oop, reveal my age um and uh yeah, so I'm. I mean, I don't really. Rem- I didn't really remember it. And watching it with uh, one of my housemates who had never seen it, um, and it's just something. It's now kind of become our ritual. Like we are. It's, we we watch it together on evenings when the other girls have gone to bed, and um, and it's just nice. You know, we'll get through maybe two, three episodes an evening. Um, I'm also rewatching Breaking Bad, um, which is. I mean, it, it blew me away the first time, but um, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think it, I think John Davy he did Breaking Bad with you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It really, it really is like the best TV show ever made. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Um, what else am I watching? A lot of uh, there's a lot of hype around normal people right now. Um, I don't know if you guys have got that over there. It was on. It was on Hulu. Um, it's now on BBC iPlayer here. It was a uh, it was a Sally Rooney book um, set in Ireland. It's uh, it's about about two kids or their relationship through the years they meet in high school, um, and that has blown up here. 
um, everyone is talking about it. Um, so I'm a few episodes into that. Well, if, if it's about Ireland or takes place in Ireland, my wife will be interested in it. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest way to sell her on anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. The the acting is phenomenal, um, and it's just, it's just really beautifully put together um, and beautifully filmed. So yeah, I'm gonna watch some more of that. I just I don't know if I can take the heartbreak, but because mm. <laughs> I know what happens. I read the books. Um, oh yeah. oh, gotcha. Okay, so you you've got that head. Well, that's cool. You're you're. I'm always impressed by folks who read the original source material and then watch it do you find that the show is being true to the source material or uh is it changing it enough that is engaging you in a way no it is it is engaging me and the um the writer uh actually um co-wrote the screenplay anyway so it's you know she's um she's she's done it very very well the writing is great um so yeah i don't i don't find it's uh, it's changed too much and what ha- what has changed was but this is obviously like a super personal thing. But when you read a book, you have your vision of them, and um, they, the two lead actors, aren't what I imagined. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. I mean, it was the same thing with Harry Potter with me as a kid. You know, I I loved the books, and you have your own version of them. Um, but and it, they weren't like that in the movies. So no, I think I've just got not. used to that now. <laughs> yeah. So, Brent, what are you watching? Well, uh, recently I've been watching rewatching Highlander because uh, that's one of my favorite shows ever, and I haven't seen it in a long time. So I'm nearing the end of season two there. Um, I've also gotten my wife into Jessica Jones, so we've started that one, and so I'm simultaneously watching season three, which is where I am, and season one, which is where she is. So I hope I don't get them mixed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and catching up on some movies that I haven't seen yet too. Things like uh, Annihilation, um, the new Fantasy Island, which I thought was really good, um, and Serenity, which has the most unexpected plot twist I think I've seen in ages. So, uh, so there's two Serenities. There's Serenity is... the rom com and Serenity the Firefly movie. Right. Well, there's the Firefly movie, uh, the Serenity with uh, Matthew McConaughey okay. and Anne Hathaway. Um, gotcha. it, it's a drama, but it has a crazy twist and some people okay. love it and some people hate it. So I guess it's, <laughs> it's all how you, uh, your perception, I guess. Right that is so funny. I was literally talking to my boyfriend today about both Firefly and Annihilation. It's really weird that you said the two things because <laughs> I've never, I've never seen either of them. They're on my list, but, uh, I haven't, I haven't watched them yet. I thought Annihilation was one of the best films I saw in whatever year it came out. Time time has lost all meaning. I want to say it's about two years old, two years maybe old. a year yeah. and a half. Yeah, two years old. Yeah. But um, I saw it knowing nothing about it. I just saw the trailer. It, the trailer absolutely grabbed me right off the bat. And um, I watched it, stopped it, rewatched it, immediately went out and found the books and reread the trilogy that the the movie is very loosely based on incredibly <laughs> loosely based on i will say that if you feel inspired to read the books afterwards the the movie does spoil some stuff that happens in the later trilogy aspects of the trilogy they I, mm. they clearly were i mean it's a, it's a very different project i mean it's almost ex- 
non-existent in certain threads, but it's definitely modern Lovecraftian horror. Um, uh, in, in a way, and, and this sort of goes on to Brackenmore, that it's very vague as to what is happening, but the horror is palpable. Uh, and so you can bring the, the endings have the ending ends in a way that you're kind of like, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And this is one of those films that I did see with other people. And I did have great conversations with. So, um, if you're, if you're interested in a film that will inspire you to ask a lot of questions and feel, um, two hours of dread, um, then, <laughs> but, but not like it's not, it's not a jump scare film. Uh, and it's not like a bloody, you know, horror film it's there's it is it's lovecraftian and it's like we don't understand what's going on there's clearly something bigger uh Mm. in the picture and and i yeah i really dug that um thank you my yeah my my friend worked she was in the camera team on annihilation so it was already on my list and i saw it on amazon today so it's quite physically on my list mm, (laughs) we'll probably watch it tonight after hearing you talking about it and uh and having the conversation with my boyfriend about it today it's there's so many signs being like watch annihilation i think it's got to be my next one oh cool well I'm, Mm. i'm be very curious to uh, hear what your thoughts and Brent yours as well at some point in time we're not going to spoil it on a podcast for somebody right. um, but yeah um, again I uh, I like, like my favorite activity is you know like everyone talks about dinner in a movie I like movie and a dinner um, I like to go to the film first with a group of people and then just sit around and eat french fries and talk about it like that's <laughs> that's how I want to experience cinema is uh, you know we just watched I think the last film I saw before everything kind of closed down was uh, for my birthday. We went and saw Knives Out uh, mm. in February, and it was such a great film to sit around and talk about for hours afterwards because there's so much that they did right uh, with that film. I'm not sure if either one of you have seen that, but that's oh, the last one. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it. I like I like the the movie and a dinner. I usually do movie and a liquid dinner, aka like a few beers afterwards, sure. <laughs> um, which is also great for talking about it. Um, yeah, I miss that. I can't yeah. wait to do that again. I know. Um, are you finding yourself, have you done any kind of watch alongs um, with friends via zoom or something along those lines? I haven't. Um, I haven't done uh, watch alongs of anything else other than class. Right. <laughs> um, there is, and, and speaking of tonight, is our uh, penultimate, uh, our, f- our final episode watch along. So, um, yeah, episode eight, uh, which is our, uh, it's going to be really sad. But um, yeah, I've been doing that. I'm going to go shortly after this and go do a tweet along um, with all the fans. And they, uh, one of them made, um, like a, a, a video and um, which I did a like a little thank you for and so did Greg and Jordan and uh and Blair who is was our class composer who's also done a lot of Doctor Who. Um, yeah. We're we yeah. uh he's he's set to, to come on the show. Oh is um, he? He's yeah. Fun. Well we I I met Blair the same night I met you because mm-hmm. um, he was at um Gallifrey One which seems like forever ago. Doesn't it? Um and uh, he has a show picked out and everything. And we actually were going to have him later uh, towards the end of last year, uh, beginning of this year. And he had to postpone because he was working on a project. He couldn't tell us what it was, but it turned out to be a story. He wrote a story for the uh, season four of the Big Finish Audio. Yeah, he did. He did. 
Um, it was great. Uh, I, w- I was barely in it. Um, it was about... Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but no, I mean, <laughs> it was great. Apart from I was barely in it. I <laughs> wasn't saying that. It was, uh, it was a Tanya uh, episode. And it's wonderful. I really, I really um, enjoy... Uh, Blair's writing for um, for Big Finish because who, what what other person um, knows it better than he does? I mean, he composing the music has had to watch so many hours of the show. Right. It's like yeah. Also, I'm really embarrassed that I was I was calling the final episode the penultimate episode. My brain is my brain is on lockdown, and I haven't had very many conversations. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been episode seven. Tonight is episode eight, so it's the final episode. Sure. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a way, with the, the continuations of the story, who's to say really what the the penultimate episode is going to be? It might be from the series, but uh, you've mm. got more stories. There's novels. Have you read the novels? So I had one of the novels, which was uh, The Stone House. So we were given them at the screening for class. I think there's, is there three? Is there four? Three, I don't yeah. know. Um, apparently some of them are quite good. Um, there have, there have, I've had a, a lot of discussions with fans um, about uh, at, at comic conventions and things like that about them. I wish I knew more about them, but um, they, I mean, they're quite difficult <laughs> because um, the writers of the novels were they were faced with writing writing these books before the show came out. Mm. So I think they'd had briefs from Patrick about um, what each character was like and kind of you know the relationships within the. Um, within the series would be but i mean they were kind of working with nothing so they've done a really good job um i don't think uh, they've got it exactly right um given where the characters end up um but i think it's it's so cool that there's books as well and now there's audios and there's yeah let let class live on forever <laughs> <laughs> um i have to ask you this before we let you go uh since this is a Doctor Who podcast, were you a fan of Doctor Who before class? And did you have a favorite Doctor? I was a fan of Doctor Who. I mean, I haven't watched much uh, classic Who, the original Doctor Who episodes, other than the Numero Uno. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I started watching it um, from the the relaunch. Was it two thousand and five? Yeah, was that it was. what it was? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have watched, I haven't seen all of it, but I have seen a, a lot of the show and, and with each doctor. Um, so, I just think, I, I really liked what Matt Smith brought to it. I think he brought something really, like a really fresh new energy after David Tennant had seemingly been the doctor for very long time um i do just love david tennant as an actor though so i think i'm i'm kind i'm kind of swayed towards him because i think he's phenomenal anyway i know you're watching jessica jones so oh yeah uh, you've got your fill of him yeah he's great um, yeah um yeah i i it, it's a split between tennant and smith that's great and and well you, mm. you also had peter capaldi on um class so what was it like working with him I did so i am so used to seeing peter as uh, malcolm in the thick of it so i expect- <laughs> very different i expected him to 
step onto set because it was that was what I was used to him just like effing and blinding throwing coffee in someone's face or something <laughs> like that. he is he is the ultimate gentleman um and you know he he, he uh, is so much fun to watch work he really the script that he has in his hand and then the work that he produces are two very different things and his sense of play within um the character of the doctor it's just amazing I, you know I, I could have watched him all day he's a very gracious man and super gentle and kind and um yeah i just think he was wonderful does he give you um kind of a i don't know it's kind of i'm trying to figure out how to say this there's a, a legacy involved with doctor who you know just mm. being it's almost like a, a, a kind of a monolith as far as culture is concerned and it, he clearly when he stepped into the role it was something that he's cared about for a long time um did it was that your first kind of experience with doctor who as a fandom meeting meeting him or had you um gotten a sense of that i know i'm trying i'm trying to figure out how i want to phrase this but like when you accept the role into something that is a Doctor Who spin-off. Even though, I mean, the show is clearly could exist on its own. It's it's that well written <laughs> together, but it makes sense to tie it in. Um Yeah. And and I think they did it in a, a a good way. But did you kind of get a feeling of stepping into that legacy and how does that make you feel? I had no idea what was what I was in for. I mean, I've, despite having watched Doctor Who um since since uh 2005 i i like it it was it's a british treasure like everyone here knows what it is has seen at least you know the christmas episodes or the new year episodes or right the the specials um but i had no idea the just of the power of the show and that it 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 touched so many people's lives and you know i i kind of always saw it as a family show and um also with with like the classic who something that people would kind of i guess i guess yeah watch as a family pass down to their kids but i just didn't realize the enormity of it um and and how how truly important it is to so many people which is it's been amazing going to comic conventions and i will never be i'll never stop being um blown away by the the kindness and um, understanding of all of the fans as well. And I think that that's something that's really poignant within Doctor Who is that, um, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's a show of acceptance and of, um, yeah, of just like kindness and love. And that just exudes within all the fans. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the level of support and, hysteria <laughs> around the show <laughs> doctor who mania yeah well we're nothing if not enthusiastic <laughs> exactly um as speaking of enthusiasm before we let you go is there something uh, a project that you're working on uh, and i know clearly under the circumstances mm. that's tricky for a lot of folks but is there a project that you would like to plug or uh, anything uh, you'd like to talk about before we let you go for the evening there are yeah i mean things are things are on hold for a while i don't know when they'll pick up um 
there was a feature that I'm attached to um, with Alex Vlahos, who um, who is uh, one of the leads in Versailles. Um, mm-hmm. It was a shot between between Wales and Ireland. Um, it will be, and it's um, it's a, a lovely. Uh, it's not quite a coming of age. It's a coming. Uh, it's 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 like a growth movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and with a, a lovely um there's a love story in there as well and um that i can't wait to film it i don't know when we can it's called blue is the sky um and there's a couple shorts that i'm um one uh is i don't actually want to say too much about it it's a it's a period um it's like a heartfelt comedy um, that I'm working on with a friend. Um, and then there is something that, uh, yeah, lots of my friends are, are writing things and being like, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a great piece of writing. And they'll be like, do you want to be in it? So there's, <laughs> there's lots of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's all I can say right now. But, um, yeah, I'm also in this, uh, during lockdown, trying to be creative and... Uh, productive so i've i've had my fingers dangling above my keyboard for a while so i guess i need to uh just start writing something as well because um i mean i've I've always wanted to I've, there's so many scripts that i've started and never finished and maybe by the end of this i'll actually finish one who knows well we certainly have time to <laughs> on our hands and i just want to Say thank you for the time that you've given us today, uh, and thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you. It was it was so lovely, and it was really great to chat with you guys again. Like you said, um, the convention that we met at seems so long ago, so long ago. Good old Gally. Um, but yeah, um, but it's really lovely to speak to you. Thank you, and thank I hope you. that you and your loved ones are all safe and well. And uh, you carry on watching amazing stuff during lockdown because it's cheering us all up. <laughs> well, and, you know, thank you for taking part in these these watch-alongs and tweeting along with it because there's there's nothing we fans like more than being connected <laughs> to to the show show and shows that we love so much. And it really it does wonders uh, in in times like this to know that you're out there and you share our enthusiasm. Oh, I do. You guys, you know, the the fans, they uh, they mean a lot and have been nothing but uh, support throughout the whole thing. And um, yeah, the Who fans, man, they're diehard. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, until next time, uh, thank you for listening to Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout-out to PixelWho for providing our logo. They can be found at Facebook.com slash PixelWho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show at Patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. You can't seriously expect these juveniles to deal with whatever's going to come through these tears in space and time. Through the what? It's like a hell mouth. All that town in Once Upon a Time. All the Vampire Diaries. We watch Vampire Diaries. Everyone's very attractive. Yes, it's true. 